0: I split a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two for two You like to sing and dance and this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today are two very special guests who literally just met each other. It's Mark Bonatti and Rebecca Edmonds, everyone. Woo!
1: Thanks, hey. thanks for having me. Thanks for having us.
0: Yes, You both at the same, like, around the same time were like, I wanted you to kiss me, Kate. And I was like, well, we're getting a panel together, I guess Um, because we're here today to talk about the 1953 film version of Kiss Me, Kate. The screenplay is written by Dorothy Kingsley, music and lyrics by Cole Porter, directed by George Sidney, and according to IMDb, an ex-husband and wife team star in a musical version of The Taming of the Shrew. Offstage, the production is troublesome with ex-lovers quarrels and two gangsters looking for some money owed to them. I mean that That's is one of the sums it up. That's one of the more succinct IMDb summaries I've read on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so while watching this, realized I've never seen this movie before. I've only seen the show.
1: Oh my gosh! Was, was it Cole Porter showing up that gave it away?
0: Yes, it was. Well, the the oh, that whole opening when they're in the apartment, whole I was opening. like, "Wait, am I watching the right thing?" I had <laughs> I had a moment, and I was telling. Mark, before we started recording, I was like, I hope I'm watching the right version. I hope everyone is watching this version with <laughs> Howard Keel and his his deep, sexy voice. Mm. <laughs> I and mean,
1: we did we did another Howard Keel movie. We did uh Calamity Jane. So we we're just we we're hitting all the Howard Keel. I love uh, Howard Keel. Me
0: too. <laughs> I don't like the character, Fred, but I like Howard Keel. He's a good actor.
2: He tends to play a lot of um <laughs> well, I guess that's just kind of the the characters of the time, but he tends to play a lot of misogynistic. Oh, um, we are and... you
1: saying Seven Brides for Seven <laughs> Brothers is misogynistic?
0: Mm, no, what? not at all. <laughs> 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 oh my god. So, I'm assuming you two have seen this movie before that's why you picked it. Yes.
1: Yes, one of my all-time favorites.
0: Mhm. Me too. But have you seen the show? Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. I saw the the 2000 revival with uh, the late great, brilliant Marion Maisie and uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell, and then the less good 2019 revival.
0: So, <laughs> fun. When I went to go see it, uh, I saw the 2019 revival with Kelly O'Hara. So, in the movie, when uh, she sings "I Hate Men," she's like slapping um, a tray or something like yeah, a,
1: like a metal uh, stein
0: yeah so in the 2019 revival kelly o'hara slamming doors left and right and it was like towards the end of the song and she slammed her hand in a in one of the doors and she pauses and she's like she literally is like my hand is stuck can somebody come help me and they the stage manager gets on the god mic they bring in the curtain and everything and just before like they bring they can close the curtain. She gets her hand out, turns to the audience, and belts out, "I hate men." And I'm like, that's a professional right there. Wow. and And so what was really great though, is like later on in the show, they kind of made it a joke. I mean, obviously, we the audience know that that's not supposed to happen but they made a joke about how like fred like made her injure herself or something like that so it was it was cute and then i was watching this and i was remembering that and i was like oh well this is what it looks like when things go right i guess (laughs) yeah wow Uh, yeah so that was my story with kiss me kate what do you guys think about the adaptation of this movie do you go ahead rebecca
2: Um, you know, it's interesting because this is the movie is what I saw first. And so I always thought of this version of it. And then when I saw ended up seeing the show later on um, in life, I was like, Oh, what is this? And I had heard the song another open in another show and had heard the music, but I was like, I, I didn't know that it was from the stage version of Kiss Me Kate. So kind of growing up with this as the Version that I thought of when I thought of Kiss Me Kate, and then seeing the show was like, oh, this is totally different but really cool. Um, it, both are valid to me in different ways.
1: Like I said, I saw the two thousand revival first before I'd seen the movie, um, and absolutely fell in love with it. My my Kiss Me Kate story. I've sat. It was my first trip to New York. I saw eleven shows in six days. It was like crazy. Shit. Yeah, I went. I went ham. And I sat front row center for Kiss Me, Kate. And during Brush Up Your Shakespeare, uh, Michael Moheran and, um, uh, oh God, my mind is blanking, um, the other gangster, they pointed to me and like winked and referenced. And like it, I mean, I was, holy crap. I just made my Broadway debut as far as I was concerned. Um, So the show just cemented itself in my heart. And then, so then watching the movie version later, it's like, wait a minute. Cole Porter, wait, Two Darn Hot's the second song. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a weird but wonderful adaptation. They do such weird things with it. And it, I mean, of course, it was originally in 3D, um, which is what? why. The, oh, yeah. No, the film originally premiered in in 3D uh, in, in the 50s during the craze. That's why they throw things at the camera a lot. That's why they swing towards the camera that's why all those weird moments are in it because it was in 3d now it makes sense sense. (laughs) yeah so i have it in 3d on blu-ray i bought a 3d tv specifically to own kiss me kate in 3d oh wow um and so and i they screen it every once in a while at the like the ifc theater downtown they do screenings of the 3d kiss me kate every once in a blue moon Um, it's amazing so it's it's really and there's there's even moments that aren't in the regular dvd cut that you'll that you'll watch um that are just really them doing weird things at the camera um during different moments and it's all yeah it was it was in 3d oh my god yeah
0: see and i just assumed
1: the, the first and last mgm 3d movie
0: I just I just assumed in Why Can't You Behave When He Swings Out, it's just, I did, oh, now that makes a lot of sense, because I was like, I guess he's supposed to be swinging over the ledge of the building, and that's what she's reacting to, not to the fact that she knows that it's in 3D and he's like swinging out over the yacht. oh my God.
1: yeah, they actually shot three versions of the movie, the regular version, a widescreen version and a 3D version and sort of were testing the waters and the 3D version actually did like 40 percent better at the box office. but then like the fad like died out so they ended up pulling the 3D version at some point and it's just the regular 2D version that you see now got it but yeah that's why ann miller's throwing her jewelry and scarves and yeah
0: speaking of do darn hot the commentary before the song kind of felt like or like after the song kind of felt like it was from reviews of the show where they're like (laughs) this show the song it doesn't make sense we have to cut it blah 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 i was like this isn't this isn't you guys this is reviews this is something because in the show it's the act two opener And I believe the story is that they put it that way because Cole Porter wanted to make sure everyone was awake for Act Two and present.
1: Yeah, well, and it's it's performed in the show by um, I think uh, Fred Graham's Butler or Valet or whatever he's called. His like assistant,
0: his Um, dresser.
1: Yeah, his dresser, (laughs) but not really. Yeah, his all yes, his dude um, who wasn't really. uh, He was an old guy, old white guy in the in the film version so i and it's not part of the show within a show so i think that's why they needed to stick it somewhere and but i can't be mad at ann miller dancing her face off no
0: no i'm not mad at ann miller dancing her face off there was just one moment that like they don't show her feet but you hear her do a complicated step and i was like guys like Come on, full body at she- least. She
1: got the fan. She's like, yeah. I was watching it with my 3-year-old, was watching that number. She goes,
0: "Wow, she's fast." Sure is. Um so where do I want to go? Where do we want Let's actually talk about the show since we kind of did already. Um so Kiss Me Kate premiered on the Broadway in 1948 where it made history winning the first Best Musical Tony Award. um, In
1: 1949.
0: In 1949, but that was, like, the third Tony Award, third annual Tony Award. So, like, you had two Tony presentations with no Best Musical category. Um, It also was, like, the first one to win Best Original Score, I believe. Yeah, I don't know uh, that that's true, is it? No, no, Didn't I lied.
1: did Rainbow win in 47?
0: No, um, it was uh, Street Scene. Street Scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it won Best Author of a Musical. That's the that's the other one. That was the first one. Um, yeah, Sam else?
1: and Bella Spiewak.
0: Yeah, it's wow. It's really just
1: Bella, by the way. Sam did nothing. He's just there in spirit. He's just contractually there. Bella did all the work, for the record. <laughs>
0: where so in the show if i'm remembering as well that they are doing a musical adaptation of taming of the shrew but is it called kiss me kate
2: yes i think the show within the show or within the film is called kiss me kate oh no no
0: i mean like on the stage version the show within the show is also called kiss me kate yeah mark is nodding yes great yeah Cause I had that moment at the beginning of this where I was like, wow, it's kind of meta that Cole Porter is here and they're creating the show that will become kiss me, Kate. Although now that I think about it, is this movie saying that the influence of him writing the show is what made kiss me, Kate, (laughs) if that makes any sense, you know, like with Fred and Lily uh, cause like when they sing so in love at the beginning of this movie, what?
1: <laughs> yeah. So random.
0: I kind of wish. What an
1: opening. I kind of
0: <laughs> wish it was reprised later. So this way, like when she comes back and, um, there, there seems like a, it seems like random when she comes back at the end. Like I feel like in the stage version there's more of a reason for her to not leave with Tex.
1: Who's not Tex in the in the stage show. It's it's a general. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean after after the opening weirdness at the apartment with Cole Porter, the show is pretty much fairly uh uh faithful to the stage show for the most <laughs> part. Um you know, except with some Songs out of place, and they added a song for the movie. Um, from this moment on, is not in the stage show, right? Um, but then now it's so popular, they've sort of added it into all the subsequent productions, so it's in most stage versions now. It's I... from a 1950 show, Out of This World, also, of course, by Cole Porter.
0: Do you want to take over this podcast? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Sorry, I'm no, I'm keep going. Contrary. I love it. I love it. You're doing my job for me. <laughs> Um, I, it should be said as well that so Bob Fosse is in this movie. He plays one of the suitors I believe. Yes. Uh, where he actually choreographed in from this moment on his duet his little moment and like you can tell it's not the (laughs) it's not the choreo like the rest of the choreography that's been happening you can you're like ah here's the beginnings of your own style happening yes yeah it's so
2: so starkly stands out as like that's fossey and the rest of the choreo is great as well but that is like it's you could tell immediately this is somebody else's choreography. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah so that moment here's my little spiel about that moment that 66 seconds of brilliance so ann miller saw bossy and his dance partner there is carol haney who was the original steam heat dancer mm-hmm. and starred in the pajama game saw them like just messing around and you know when he thought no one was watching and she told hermes pan the choreographer like let him do his little section here so that little section was literally the birth of Bob Fosse, the choreographer. And it was oh, that wow. little moment that launched his entire career.
0: Wow. So,
1: so thank you, Ann Miller and Hermes Pan for allowing that. And that in, in the Dance and Revival, they added that little dance into the Dance and Revival because it's such an impactful moment in his hmm, career.
0: Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah. So there you go. But like Hermes Pan did the rest of the movie, where it's fuck <laughs> that Ann Miller's tap dancing in two, in uh, Too Darn Hot, their little dance duet, in why can't you behave? Like it is,
1: it's incredible.
0: I, I tend to forget that this is like wall to wall choreography.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's also uh, the the show is also uh Cole Porter's first uh musical with in, uh first integrated musical where the show the the book and the lyrics kind of go together. I think before this it was all just like we're singing for singing's sake. Yeah, uh, he
1: was huge in in the in the 30s um during that heyday before the Oklahoma Hammerstein Rogers and Hammerstein revolution and everyone thought he was washed up and done for and he was like Let's let's see about that. And wrote "Kiss Me, Kate."
0: Get it? But like when he, sh- I kind of, I kind of love that uh, Cole Porter does not play himself in this movie.
1: <laughs> not even remotely. It's not even not he- nothing like Cole Porter.
0: No, because well, so is this movie then supposed to take place in forty uh, eight? Or is it supposed to be like the modern day, which is the fifty-two, fifty-three? Let's speculate. And there's nothing. There's.
2: I mean, I I think costume-wise, it seems more forties than fifties to me. But it's I don't know. It, that's a really interesting thought to figure out where it like the the action is supposed to take place.
1: Because like it's it's a new musical. It's not like the musical had been written and they were doing another adaptation of it. So I think it's supposed to be the the forty-eight original production of Kiss Me Cole Porter's Kiss Me Cave.
0: Because the the only reason why I'm asking this is because they introduce him as a character. So like are they trying to say that this is what happened behind the scenes and like the like I said earlier, the real life image like art imitating life, imitating art and all that. Or is it just like, let's throw in Cole Porter because why the fuck not? That's a name everyone knows.
1: I think it's I think it's more the latter. I don't think they're trying to say that this is how it happened. I don't think anyone was supposed to believe that. I think most people in 53 knew this you know, knew Cole Porter and knew the story and that this was just a weird excuse to do some numbers that couldn't they couldn't fit into the movie otherwise i guess that's my guess
0: so rebecca you said this. you were introduced to this first and then you saw the stage version Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now re-watching it after seeing the stage version do you feel like they could have fit in another opening of another show
2: yes yeah i i think that it could have absolutely been a part of the of the movie um I don't know with the structure of the way that they started it out, where it's they're trying to convince Lily to to play this part with the history of her and Fred. Maybe it would have just been like it wouldn't have been the opening number of the whole show or the of the movie, but it would have been transitioning into when they move into the theater space and they're starting rehearsals once she's decided she's going to do the show.
0: Because like they, their music is still there. It's mm-hmm. in "Why Can't You Behave" during their dance break, but I'm like, I kind of want the song. Like, there's something about that song that speaks to like theater folk. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it was so shocking that it's not in. I feel like that, and there's no business like show business or like the big anthems of Broadway, and and they, yeah. it's only in it's only in the dance break to that song because Cole Porter was so pissed that they cut it from the movie that they tried to appease him by throwing it in as a dance break.
0: And then they also cut Bianca, the song, but they, they, again, the music is in it at one point. And I was just like, Oh, that is a nice song though, that I'm missing. I feel like there's if other songs. Had to too. Cut a
1: song, I guess Bianca, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's also other songs, but like they're not, it's not as noticeable as another opening, I think. No, I guess I guess those those are really the only ones that. Oh no, there's a few there's a few titles here I don't see in the movie <laughs> version. The other thing that blew my mind is the ever changing stage that they're on. <laughs> like, like this movie, I think forgot sometimes that it's a, that they're doing a show within the show or a show within the movie. Because when they brought out that treadmill, man.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: So the treadmill is actually how they did that number in the Broadway production. We Open in Venice is done on a treadmill. With the, right, with but the, I mean, the, like,
0: the, it looks like they went from one part of the sound stage to another, not one part of a Broadway stage to another part, or like wheeled it out or something, because it was. It, I was like, "What? What is happening?" Or it's either they forgot, or they're like, "Fuck it, it's a movie. Nobody's gonna notice." When he, I mean,
1: we're not there yet, but when he flies in, uh, "Where's the life that Laid I <laughs> led?" There's that big long aisle in the middle. Yes, he's on that brick wall, just saying, "You know, f you to the people on house left. You don't get to see this number." And then he flies back, and he's just on the stage again, like. He's like- what?
0: <laughs> what there was a moment where i was like where did this platform come from i'm pretty sure i didn't see it and then he flies back and i'm like oh oh this was in his mind and half of it was done with his back to the audience
1: <laughs> yeah but they yeah and they go from like this set and then they like walk around and it's like oh we're in another theater now and this audience gets to see this part of the show it, really bizarre
0: oh my god so we've all worked but like we've all worked in theaters before been backstage on the um shows and everything and it's like the backstage area too is even massive and uh and thinking about broadway houses they're not really that big like some sometimes you barely have a a wing space (laughs) yeah yeah, definitely
1: uh, some movie movie magic going on there.
0: <laughs> I do appreciate, though, that they got a donkey. And it's funny, like, I think Howard Keel has a throwaway line before we get into, like, seeing a performance of the show. And he talks about, like, oh, we got to make room for the donkey or whatever. And you're like, what? And then you see the donkey so many times. They get used out of that donkey. Sure do. It was an expensive donkey. Um, <laughs> do you guys have anything you want to bring up? You want to talk about with this? Like, I, 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 we're we've been bouncing all over the place. I, I feel like you have more to say, but I don't know if I'm getting that to that question for you too.
2: Were you a part of Kiss Me Kate when we did it at going. Yes. Um, okay, so I was on the um the backstage crew for it. And I just talking about the set, I remember the set for that, for our production of it was kind of crazy. And we had to like, there was part of it, like the show set was on one side and then we would have to turn, rotate the whole set around and then backstage. I mean, the tech for that was kind of a nightmare, (laughs) but we worked it out. And I was just thinking of how like on a stage, that's kind of how you would have to do it because with the movie magic like they probably did have multiple sound stages that they were moving between and it was like oh this is just the whole stage but thinking realistically of how it would have to be on a real stage is an interesting
0: process we, we had we had two revolves going
2: i think yes yeah so they would like open up like a book out and then they would revolve back in to be the the outside the stage set so yeah, when they would go to their dressing rooms, it was one thing and then it would fold back in. Which was actually it was very cool the way that we that that they designed it. It was it was really fun to be a part of that.
0: Okay, so with our collective knowledge of musical theater everyone, is this the first show that did like a backstage life versus like a we're doing like how do I want to word this? So we see in this show and movie that like things that happen off stage and in their dressing rooms and everything inform the performance that's happening within the show. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time that that is done for stage? Cause there's also, is it noises off? That's the one or the mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, where it's like act one is the show and then act two, you see like what's happening behind the stage that is informing their decisions on stage.
1: Yeah, but like that's that noise is
0: years after this yeah after that's
1: 81
0: i want to say so i feel like this is this might be like the first if not it's one of the first ones to show you what backstage life is like in and those are in big air quotes cause... maybe in like a book musical
1: but i mean there was lots of sort of you know backstage things um There was, you know, the uh, Lunt and Fontaine did a a play that was all like a a feuding married acting couple and stuff like that. So there definitely was. I mean, theater people love theater shows about theater. So there's Mm -hmm. there's been lots of them, Um, but maybe maybe in book musical form, because uh, me and Juliet, I don't think had come out. No, not by 47, uh, 48. Um, So, yeah, maybe one of the first book musicals.
0: I think that's what they try to do with this movie because a lot of the songs in the show are like them backstage and they are singing to whomever while the while Kiss Me Kate is going on, and so like I think that's I think that's why this movie was like no we're only going to do we'll give you we'll give you the one song that is not performative and that's it. <laughs> uh, uh, why Can't You Behave is the only one that's really not part of any sort of performance thing. Because um, even like So In Love and Too Darn Hot in the beginning, they're like, look, we're doing it. Ah.
1: Yeah, when Wunderbar is like it is in the stage show where they're remembering a show from their past, oh, dancing okay. around you know, their dressing rooms. That's um,
0: That's one... <laughs> That's one that I wrote. They kept this song. Like, like they made comments oh, I love about. Wunderbar. But they made comments about too darn hot not making any sense. And I'm like, you kept Wunderbar? <laughs> That's true.
2: Yeah, it's a good device, though, to kind of get them out of their feud and they start to remember the, the good times they had together, which is part of what leads them back to each other in the end. But yeah, it is kind of just a random, like, what is this German. <laughs> Like operetta song that we're singing
0: look at us we are justifying the heck out of this one because we're <laughs> reminiscing <laughs> about our past shows and we're theater people who've done theater and blah blah it's like oh my god you guys are trying
1: <laughs> brush up your shakespeare is another one that's not uh part of the show you're right show.
0: i'm sorry everyone i miss i was misinformed but that one is a banger swell <laughs> so too. good it the, turned I mean, out...
1: All the lyrics, of course, it's Cole Porter, but I mean, just so good. If uh, Something, if she's acting heinous, kick her right in the Coriolanus. I mean, like, come, like, come on.
0: on. Um, it... <laughs> Although they they
1: changed so many lyrics for the film version to make it less dirty. I mean, like, really silly changes. But they kept the Coriolanus right, rhyme. I mean, like, that
0: doesn't to me. And they kept Tom, Dick, or Harry. A dick, a dick. It. Legendary. <laughs> legendary, legendary. Um, so I was reading that if you have the DVD of this, there is like on a special feature or something that Keenan Wynn and James Whitmore, who were the gangsters, didn't rehearse their choreography for Brush Up Your Shakespeare, and they didn't yeah. tell anyone. So when they were fumbling through, the director um, was. Uh, George George Sydney was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You guys are like in character. And they're just like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what we what you meant, right? Yeah. We, took, <laughs> we made a strong choice. So they gave I mean, them a
1: month to rehearse it. They get because they knew they were both not dancers or singers. They gave them a month before shooting to rehearse it. And they just played handball the whole time. And the <laughs> Hermes Pan, the choreographer, was like, guys, you're going to you're gonna get fired. You're going to get me fired. And you're like, no, no, it'll be fine. And so they they showed it, like you said, to George Sidney and, and all the producers. And they were like, wow, that's brilliant. Because only you have to really know it before you can make it look bad. So you must guys be, you guys worked really hard. Good job. Yeah,
0: sure. But, uh, we did it. And I'm also, while watching it, Rebecca, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure you, did as well like I thought back to when we did it in college and those two guys were like chef's kiss amazing like you have I feel like you need very strong actor types for that role and like dancing is clearly secondary because they're they're goofballs
2: (laughs) yes yeah they have to be so like committed to the character yeah the commitment has to be because it is so absurd
0: the, their whole trajectory in this story you're like you gotta just you have to be clowns you can't be you know this well you can be serious actors but like you have to have fun like the choices that those two guys made in this movie amazing <laughs> i'm assuming it's them i'm gonna give them the credit
1: yeah uh keenan Wynn, who plays the the taller uh, thinner gangster his dad is edwin who was one of the great clowns of Broadway, who is most likely known today as the the laughing guy from Mary Poppins.
0: Mm. He's also that. he's also the um, Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland.
1: Yep. So yeah, that's his dad.
0: Wow, dad, yeah,
1: one of the great clowns of Broadway makes
0: sense because the way that they <laughs> they say Fred's last name Graham, <laughs> Graham. every time I was like. this movie is just enjoyable, even though it's very different from the stage version. It is, I'm going to agree with you, Rebecca. It's two different entities. It's the same story, but like different. It's like reading the book and then watching the movie.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think you can appreciate both for what they are without comparing them to each other necessarily. I I just, I enjoy both of them for different reasons.
0: But like the only thing you can compare is like how what's, songs were cut from the stage version for the movie and be like oh because i feel like they could have just used the script from the stage version as the movie script right
1: yeah i don't know why they added that whole opening honestly
0: i i guess to eliminate a lot of like confusion as to what what the songs are for movie going audiences but we're in the time of like remakes and reboots, so would you guys would you two wanna see a remake of this as more like the stage version though, not like literally this being this movie being remade. I mean, I'm I'm here for if, it. If if
1: I mean sure, if done right, of course, Taming of the Shrew is is not the most uh progressive play no. in the world. And and even the twenty nineteen revival changed it to uh I uh, it's a shame that people are so simple instead of women are so simple. So it's like, uh, or we just leave it as a product of its time and and not try to modernize. Kiss me, Kate. I don't know. You know, it's.
0: Oh no, I'm not trying to modernize it. I'm still like, I'm just saying, like, if right. But I'm to... you have,
1: if you did it today, if you, you'd you would feel the need to have to change things. Oh, I to see make it palatable saying. for today's audiences.
0: Yeah, because. Even watching the what's that song, finale act one, I was like, "Oh, that's right. This does happen in the show."
1: Where he spanks her.
0: Where he spanks her on stage.
1: Story about that. Catherine Grayson, who played Lily Vanessi, and the costume designer played a trick on Howard Keel. They put a piece of wood under her butt, on her butt, so that when he spanked her, it was a big old block of wood that he was hitting.
0: So, little story there. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um so i feel like also they not only like changed the script but like i feel like they changed lois's character a little bit i don't remember in the stage version if she's dating fred i feel like she's a flirt but i don't think they were like it it was weird i thought this in this movie they're dating yes yeah i mean i think it we we come
1: to find that she's mainly she's a she's a gold digger but i think her heart always lies with with uh bill mm-hmm. calhoun so yes they're dating but is it is it a true relationship i think they're both using each other in uh what's the word uh consensual ways mm. but i think she i think they are dating in the stage show. i've seen the movie so many more times than i've seen the stage show but i think rebecca do you remember i think they i think they are
2: yeah. I I think so. Like you said, I think she's certainly climbing the ladder and trying to get to a certain place cuz she's in vaudeville and she wants to be on taken seriously as a as a Broadway actor and and I think in the same way Fred is kind of has her as his arm candy. Like he just yes. she's a pretty girl and
1: he's rebounded. It's not
2: necessarily like they're in love with each other, but it's a mutual like, I mean, we're going
1: to use each other. <laughs> yeah, just like in her song, I'm always true to you in my fashion, you know? If if uh, a gable boat means a sable coat, bay bay.
0: Because yeah. if memory serves, it's that Fred doesn't know that Lily has... Like, they're they're divorced, and he doesn't know that Lily is seeing somebody else. So it's not like he's seeing Lois for revenge. It's just that he's needing companionship and like rebecca said arm candy but then he uses that against her throughout this story <laughs> this day
1: <laughs> yeah they rehearsed the show very quickly <laughs> put it on
0: i just I, from like the beginning to like the next scene which is i guess like the the day before they open because we see them in rehearsal for, and they're practicing bows randomly.
1: That's the day of the show. They were it's like, oh, we got to do
0: bows now. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Rebecca, you do you have anything else that you... Like, any other stories? Mark and I shared some personal stories about the show. Do you have one?
2: I mean, just that this movie, for whatever weird reason as a child was one of my go-to, like, if I was sick, staying home from school, I would put Kiss Me Kate on. And, um, my my mom would always wonder why. She was like, of of all the movies that you could choose, we had, you know, we had a library of all of the, like, movie musicals, and she was like, why this one? (laughs) I said, I don't know, I just like the dancing and, and the music and, um there's just something that still after all of these years i watch it and i still laugh out loud at some of the jokes and the the physical comedy and um it it never ceases to make me happy i can't like i'll never get bored of it um it's just one of those classic movies that i will always treasure as
0: a memory in my heart Like mom, she's watching you're you're watching a great movie. Shut up. <laughs> you're watching yeah, the birth like, of Bob Fossey. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's laugh out loud, funny. I mean, some of the lines in the deliveries are one of my favorites is when he's like thinks he's bleeding and it's just the stage makeup, and he's he's like, no, no, no bruising, no discoloration. He's like, that's all I need. A blind <laughs> stage manager. Just
0: kills me that line.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I've talked about in other episodes how comedy is hard because what we find funny like a year ago five years ago ten years ago is no longer is really hurtful but i feel like this is one of those innocent comedies i'm gonna say where it's like they're not degrading anybody it's situational humor and yes he's fred spanks lily and yes there's all these um, uh beats
1: on him too though you know she gets back good
0: yeah, and there's like a lot of other things, uh, like anti-feminist things. I should, I could like broaden it because well, because that that's Shakespeare's
1: also... fault though. Can't can't blame. Yeah, but like, I, like I feel this too much.
0: I feel like this is one of those movies that like I, I, I see where Rebecca, you were like, this is just comfort. Like it's just it's nice. It's it and it has great music and and Miller dancing her face off. How can you not like it?
2: Well, where can you go wrong?
0: All right. One last call. Any, uh, anything else you want to mention before sharps and flats?
1: Oh, you know, then uh, I'm always true to you. The, the sailor that she flirts with, that's Hermes Pan, the choreographer for the film. Oh, it's fun. And uh, on, in the beginning on her piano, there's on his piano, excuse me. There's a bunch of photos It's a it's a pair. It's a picture of them to Howard Keel and Catherine Grayson from Showboat, which they did two years earlier. And then it's a picture of Howard Keel from the film version of Annie Get Your Gun. But they put Catherine Grayson's face over Betty Hutton's uh, in that (laughs) photo they look at. So that always cracks me up. (laughs) Uh, Little things like that. Just weird. It's so weird and wonderful.
0: And and like it gets the spirit of the show, at least. You know, it's, it's not the literal adaptation or translation, but like, it's got, you've got, you hit the, you hit the points, you know, you establish them fighting, uh, he, the row, the flower mix up, the reading of the note, you know, like it, it's all there. And so, so for like me watching this for the first time and realizing it, I'm like, okay, you've got the major points and, you know, banger songs. (laughs)
1: Yeah, in, in this era, you know, when they would just butcher shows and just really take out everything great about a lot of them, I think, in that respect, this is a very uh, successful adaptation of the mm-hmm. musical.
0: All right, let's get to the strap and flat, shall we? Sharp! Flat! So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. Um... I think I want to end on a high note so let's start with flats. Uh I'll go I'll go first. My first flat is that they cut another opening and Bianca. I I mean I know you said uh Mark that like if they're going to cut a song at Bianca whatever but I, I still like it and it's and it's kind of like the nice juxtaposition of always true to you in a way where like they're both talking about how they're kind of using each other but they still love each other in a way so i was missing that i uh so flatted the fact that the movie forgets that they're doing a show
1: that's my big flat it drives me crazy i mean it drives me crazy
0: i love the treadmill i that moment where he's on an imaginary platform it's still great they but i wish it was either more of that or it didn't have it at all Because even like the depth of the stage is a sound stage and not a theater stage. Mm -hmm. So, and then my last flat is for Fred. I mean, (laughs) the (laughs) character is just a bad, bad person. And that's the point, but I'm still going to flat (laughs) him.
1: Oh, come on. Poor Howard Keel. Poor Howie Keel.
0: I think I wrote that right around the end of Act One. And I was like, do we do we really need to do this? Like, <laughs> do I mean, I get it. It's part of the script. It's part of the humor and everything, but I'm just like, my guy. Oh, and then also how he talks about her and things like that. I'm just like, oh God. Okay. You're a man. Great. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, what were your flats?
2: So yes, along the line of the kind of unrealistic stage expectations of just giant gigantic huge stage um and then there was this thing that I noticed that I don't think I've ever noticed before when watching this but there are quite a few times where someone will like break the fourth wall and completely just stare straight into the camera
0: yes and I noticed that
2: I don't know there's certain moments where I'm like that makes sense there where like if the one of the gangsters does it at one point and it's just kind of like, mm-hmm, like we're, we're talking to you guys now, but at other moments, I was like, why are we staring straight at the camera? What are we commenting on here? I didn't. And I, like I said, I'd had never really thought of or realized that before when watching it.
0: And Miller does it a lot in always true to you. Yeah. I noticed that cause she's, she's, Ann Miller always has a smile on her face in every movie I've seen her in, and she's singing this song and smiling, but like staring directly at the camera. And I'm just like, why? For? (laughs) I wonder if
1: that's an aspect of the 3D thing. If that's a a product of that, it's also. I mean, they do that a lot in the stage show, so I wonder if that's just a.
0: But that's the stage show,
1: like. But you know, if the director used that as the blueprint, as opposed to. You know, screw the screw the stage show. I'm doing my own thing, which was the was a failure of a lot of movie musicals of the decade. Is not uh, looking to the stage show for inspiration. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. That's my theory.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, and then I guess the only other, which is kind of taking out another opening and taking out too darn hot, or putting placing too darn hot in a different spot. I don't, I don't know that if the original casting of the musical on Broadway was more people of color, um, but I mean, it has been in more recent years. And I think those, I mean, Too Darn Hot specifically is like the, the actor in more more recent revivals has been a a, a black man, um, singing that song. And so, I don't know, I just felt that that was lacking within the film Is and of course it's just a product of its time, but not a lot of representation, um other than white people.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Because it was Corbin Blue who sang it in the 2019 revival. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Stanley Wayne Mathis in the 1999
0: revival. Yeah. And it, is that it for your flats? Yes. Rebecca? Mark, flats.
1: My flats Ooh. were kind of the same as yours. They cut another opening, another show, which is, I there, there's no reason. I mean, it's it's perfectly in like, it, like what Rebecca said, they might've moved it to, you know, after that weird opening scene, but they could have done it. And then it just drives me nuts. With the, the floating, floating sets and the, the weird, I mean, it's just, yeah, it drives, it drives me nuts. Um, I was, when you were talking about um, the cutting too or moving too darn hot, I wonder it's because I'm just thinking now, even though there is a lot of, people on in, in this you know there's a lot of background people there's never really an ensemble that we see dancing it's always just the three guys and bianca and so maybe because it's an ensemble number that's all the actors backstage uh during intermission of the show being too hot i wonder if that's where they cut it because they didn't really they would have to choreograph and hire all these dancers to do this huge mm. dance
0: number that would
1: take months to rehearse so maybe that's why it was moved um, well if
0: they may remake the movie put it back where it was.
1: <laughs> put it back the way it was. Different show. Um Yeah, I other than that, I think it's it's probably my second favorite movie musical of all time maybe. I'd have to I'd, I have not done a solid list, but uh, nothing beats singing in the rain. But uh, right. I think uh, yeah. Kiss Me Kate is 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 such a solid for for a movie that that well we're in, we're doing flats. Uh no, I, that's, it's pretty, it's a sharp film.
0: All right. Well, now that's a good segue into sharps. Um, my first sharp is for tap because I love tap. I will always sharp tap and everything, even though they're not like really tapping because you, especially in the too darn hot when she kicks up her shoe and you're like, there's no metal underneath there. Um I bet, I bet she recorded the tap sounds, though, too. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, uh, it's, not, it, it's never really recorded live tapping uh, in movies because, I mean, you get all the noises and everything, and it may not sound perfect, so you have to go in and re-record it and everything. Um, I also want to sharp the whole cast. I was starting to like write people, write characters or actors' names, and I was like, you know what? Everyone's doing their job like everyone everyone's great howard keel is just a beautiful man that is that can that i want him to sing me to sleep every night um kathryn grayson was great ann miller love her um so yeah
1: Tommy roll is one of my favorite performers of all time and he really shines in the film as bill
0: Mm. and then uh can't forget, you know, Keegan Wynn and James Whitmore. Like, they're great. Also, they have character names that I don't think are ever said in the movie. I think it's just Gangster One and Gangster Two, I
1: think is how they're listed in the show, in the stage show.
0: I'm on the IMDb page, and, and Keenan Wynn is Lippy, and James Whitmore is Slug. slug
1: right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's in the stage show.
0: It's net, but like, also, their names are never said in the movie.
1: I think. Oh, they find a slug. But that's not even the character that finds the
0: slug. Anyway. <laughs> that's um, weird. I also sharp the show costumes because they're just so colorful. <laughs> like, like Technicolor was big as, at the time. <laughs> with, so, With an
1: exclamation point. Technicolor.
0: Technicolor! Um, I also sharp how the gangsters talk. Saying like Graham and other little things like that were just so funny and especially like when they um confront text after they're they're in the show costumes and they're still speaking in the Shakespeare like it's just so funny and uh my last stripe is for brush up your Shakespeare especially the little tag at the end because like I mean they may not have practiced allegedly but like there's parts where they are doing the footwork and they are doing everything and it's so funny uh who's Rebecca you're next
2: um okay along the lines of wanting to praise the whole cast um but specifically the chemistry between Howard Keel and Catherine Grayson um I mean them having done Showboat together before they have this connection already I think that's just beautiful to watch on screen and Ann Miller and Tommy Rall are beautiful together as well um I Love that we got kind of the introduction to Fosse's choreography in this. Um, yeah. Everything to to come after that—that that this was sort of the birth of that—was really amazing to see. And um, the the comedy overall, but especially the gangsters, um, is just Chef's kiss.
0: Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, Mark, what are your sharps? I mean, you basically sharp the whole movie, but... Yeah,
1: I mean, everything's sharp. I mean, you guys really hit it all. I mean, the costumes, um... I'm a huge Tommy Roll nerd, and this is one of my favorite performances of his. I love the 3D aspect of it. I love watching it in 3D. It's one of my favorite things. Um, and it's so funny watching it not in 3D, just how often... Watch it again, knowing that it's 3D. I mean, you'll see how many times they throw things at the camera. It's so random.
0: Um... Mark, oh, Rebecca and I are coming over. We're, we'll be in our jam because it's a yeah, shitty radio game. Yeah, we're going to come right
2: watch now. the 3D version now. Come on <laughs> no, over. We're going
0: to come over. It's wild. Um,
1: <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of anything more specific that you guys didn't touch on already. It's, it's, the, the Fosse, you know, moment is, is, I mean, you sort of, your, your breath stops. I mean, and even, even in that in the from this moment on the not Fosse but I mean when when Tommy Rall enters I mean like literally swinging from the rooftops I mean that's insane uh, and it's just so cool and it's also cool to see Hermes Pan really played up the strengths of the different men um, and, and, and Bianca too I mean uh, Bianca in the stage show I believe at least not originally was not a tap character there was no tap dancing and they changed that for Ann Miller. I mean, maybe now because of the film version, they've made it more of a tap character, but I I believe they centered it more tap.
0: I think she's just the dancer. Not, it's not, I think if I remember correctly, like Lily is the actor singer and Bianca or Lois is the dancer. I mean, she still has many
1: songs within the show. I mean, she's right, right, still right. Good. But like
0: her, her songs are more like the dance-forward one, the dance-heavy ones.
1: Yeah, she's the young soubrette. She's the young, yeah. you know, the sexy uh, B-plot in both oh. the stage version and the, you know, film in the stage, show within the show and the show. Too many shows. Uh, I Deception.
0: didn't realize that Tommy Rawl is in Seven Brides. A year, yeah, after he is. He Howard is. Howard Keel, Frankincense.
1: The, <laughs> a lot of the, and and um, uh, her name is the one who wrote the screenplay for this. Whose name is escaping me. Short, uh, anyway, she fixed. She was like the fixer of MGM movies, musical scripts, and she's uncredited. She really made that movie as successful as it was.
0: Dorothy uh, Kingsley.
1: Dorothy Kingsley, thank you. Um, she before that they didn't really have much for the. A female character to do and sort of her idea to make her the leading force in getting the guys to get the girls and woo them over and that uh. made it more successful. So, um, Did I'm it
0: though! Different...
1: <laughs> Did Don't it. get me started! on I will defend as much as I
0: can Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I can't defend <laughs> it all the way but
1: still, I like it.
0: Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? From the movie. I wrote down... So in love. Um, Even though we don't... I don't think we really get the full scope of the song. I still... Howard Keel, come on. Um, Why Can't You Behave, I Hate Men, Tom, Dick, or Harry, and Brush Up Your Shakespeare.
1: I also love uh, Where's the Life That Late I Led. I mean, it's just... Where was the life that late I led? And then hearing Stokes sing it in that revival. I mean... oh, so
2: good.
1: Um... All of them. Always true to you in my fashion. Although I, I I like the stage version more of always true to you in my fashion. A little more belty and many more verses. Um,
0: See, okay. To go back to our college production of this. <laughs> um, um, former, <laughs> former guest of the pod, Christine Sia, was our Lois. And to me, she did the definitive version of it. And now I compare everyone else's to hers. So... Christine Sia, if you're listening to this episode, she was just magical on stage mm-hmm. when she did it. And I, I know Mark, you're like, I have no idea who this person is at all. But like, trust me, it's like, it's one of those performances that you see that you're like, this is it. And then now you're like, I mean, granted, I'm where she and I are friends, so there's also that. But I'm like, she did a fantastic job.
1: <laughs> That's how I am with Amy Spanger in that song from the '99 revival yeah.
0: she wait yeah. oh my god i didn't <laughs> i'm looking at this list now wow
1: yeah it was a cast man
0: damn i wish i saw it
1: it was so uh, there is a there is a pro shot of the london when it transferred to london Marin Mazy still in it but it's brent barrett instead of, of stokes michael Barres, who was bill calhoun i don't i can't remember if it's in I can't remember if he's in the London Pro Shot, if they do this, but it was a three-tiered set backstage. It was three levels of, of dressing rooms. And during Why Can't You Behave, he did this tumble thing where he flipped and moved up the railings, up this three-story set. It was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen. Why? I will never forget him flipping up this set. It was wild. If, if it's in that Pro Shot, definitely go watch at least that number from the Pro Shot. I will. But it's it's very it felt like it's felt like one of those revivals where you feel like oh this is how it felt to see the show in 1948. Um it didn't feel like a new interpretation it felt like they're just doing the full show as intended and it was glorious.
0: Okay. So uh, there you go. Uh where where are we? Songs. Songs. Who what what songs are you adding? Rebecca.
2: Um I will say I hate men. Um always true to you, so in love, and um, the life that late I led purely because my name is mentioned in it. And um, Becky I would like to be called Becky Weckio. Uh, <laughs> the only time anyone can ever call me Becky is if you call
0: <laughs> Becky Weckio. <laughs> Mark, did you actually answer the question? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. I added
0: uh, where's the life that late I led. I mean, they're all...
1: They're all so good. I mean, there's not a clunker in in the score.
0: No, and even in this in the in this version, I mean, I would say I would put Wunderbar at the like the bottom of my like list if I were to list them all, just because I, it's it's a weird song. Well, it's
1: cheesy. It's cheesy on purpose. Yeah. It's making fun of these Viennese operettas that were so
0: popular at the time that were just
1: so over the
0: top. But like, I'm 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 not saying I hate it. I'm just saying it's not up there as a favorite. How about that? It's It's okay.
1: I will <laughs> and, allow you to feel that way.
0: And I feel like also that is a acting song. Like, I don't think I can just listen to it. I think I need to see them fall in love. Maybe do like the stupid choreography that they did in this imaginary production of whatever that show is called. I don't know if they say it. But, um, yeah. Anyway, on that note, everyone, we're done with the episode. We did kiss me, Kate. Woohoo! Yay, best of me, Kate. And you know, it
1: was.
0: I hope. I I hope I networked you two. So, but what do you have to plug or promote? Let's start with Rebecca.
2: Um, you can follow me on Instagram and the TikTok. Um, I do musical theater stuff on there sometimes, and uh, my handle is at it's Becca Ellen.
0: Uh, Mark, it's
1: not at Fakiewekio. <laughs> I,
2: I, I should probably
1: I, change it I, I was gonna say you gotta you gotta get on that <laughs> uh you can find me on the socials at bway Ghostlight, and please check out broadway by Ghostlight on youtube it's my musical theater history channel i just dropped a very long breakdown of the musical annie warbucks the sequel to annie that had a 10-year hard knock life to the stage so have
0: you done and, kiss me
1: uh, kate no, I generally do shows that aren't well known that are that are not widely available. Mainly flop, Starmites, uh Drat the Cat, uh I had a ball, random weird shows like that.
0: Are you going to yeah. do um uh one more time? No, that lasted a while. Once had
1: Once upon a one more time?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: my I took my you I took my nine to my 8-year-old to that. She's obsessed. Obsessed. She's been She's been trying to do the toxic backbend. I don't know if you saw the show, but there was a backbend in the number toxic. That was epic. And she's been trying to work on that and falling on her face.
0: Oh, um, that's a tour
1: know, But I've, I've been looking for a show to do. I have a video on ten, 10 things you didn't know about Sweet Charity. I was like, I should do another one. What show should I do? I'll do Kiss Me, Kate. So there you go. There you
0: go. Um, there you go. And if... You know why they moved stuff around and took stuff out of this movie? I'd like to hear it cuz I didn't read all of the IMDb trivia everyone. Haha, <laughs> I ran out of time. <laughs> um, you can I don't
1: know. You... I got to find that out. I I'm curious now. I'll I'll do I'll I'll figure it out.
0: Well, that could be your top 10 facts. For the there
1: movie version, I'm gonna do a seance for Howard Keel and be like, dude, what happened?
0: <laughs> um, but if you, the listener, knows, you can email me at buttasungpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersungpod. Um, also, tag me in your production. Like, I, I this, I feel like this is a show that everyone does at least once in their life because it's done. I feel like it's like a good high school show, a good as Rebecca and I said, we did it in college. Um, I feel like it's also a good, like, local theater production, because, like, everyone knows some of the songs. So... I, tag me in one of your if you uh one of your numbers. I would love to see it because you know only Vundabar, though. Only tag in only Vundabar, Vundabar. Only
1: Vundabar. You're right. <laughs> tag me in
0: in a video of only Vundabar. Uh and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, well, we're gonna be talking about the umbrellas of Cherberg.
1: I pronounced that wrong.
0: But yeah. French. Uh Rebecca and Mark, thank you so much for coming back on, and thank you for letting me like Fuse you two together in an episode. Um, we should do more together. We'll figure it out.
1: Seven brides yeah. for seven brothers. Let's do the whole misogynistic Howard Keel trilogy. <laughs> Let's
0: I don't. Go. Let's do it. I, I don't think I could do that as a second chance. But you know what? We'll do it. Okay. Uh, and everyone, thank you for listening. And bye for now. Bye. Bye.